I want to read to you this morning. We're not going to put it on the screen. I want to read to you. There was a time in church when we read the Bible to one another, and people listened, and their imaginations engaged. And I want to read to you a story that you're very familiar with, and I want to welcome those of you that are online. Do you know last week we had over 1,000 people watching with us online, besides what was here at the church? Can we give the Lord a hand of praise for that? And we just want them to know that... They are so welcome, and we're so delighted to have you as a part of our service today. And those of you online, if you'll just listen as well, and um, if you've got your Bible, you can follow along and read along. I'm going to Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. So listen carefully. In the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, now this was Mary's aunt. In the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed. Say that with me. Confused and disturbed. Now, don't let that pass you by. Let's say it one more time. Confused and disturbed. Now, in this beautiful story, the first thing that we read about Mary is she is what? She is confused and she is disturbed. I would be too if all of a sudden Gabriel showed up at my house. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary. Right. You've got a 13-foot angel, maybe. I don't know how big he was. Standing in front of you, we read about them with flaming swords. They're, they're powerful beings. They're not these cute little things that you bought for your mother at Hallmark card shop, you know. These are powerful beings that suddenly appear at the will of God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus, and he will be very great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever, and his kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this be? I am a virgin. The little girl asked her mother this week, says, what's a virgin? And the mother never explained how she explained that to her daughter. But the little girl followed up this week, I mean, to her mother saying, Mama, am I a virgin? Now, you know what that means. She's never slept with a man. She's never been sexually intimate with a man. She says, how can this be? I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. And what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age, and people used to say she was barren, but she's conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, for the word of God will never fail. Will you say that with me? For the word of God will never fail. Look at your neighbor and say that to them this morning. For the word of God will never fail. Are you saying that at home this morning? Let's say it together. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Our Father in heaven, I ask you to fill us with joy this Christmas season and speak to our hearts this morning 
clearly. God, let us relive this Christmas story in a brand new way this year as we await the celebration, Lord, of Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. For it's in your name I pray. Amen. One of the things that I often tell people who ask me, who, what is Christianity? What is it all about? And that is that our faith, Christianity, is joyful. If you really want to know how to begin to describe Christianity, you don't begin talking about the things we do or don't do, which it seems to be that's how a lot of people were trained to think. But Christianity is joyful. It's, it's one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life, that when you've been born again, there is this, this natural supernatural reproduction of the joy of God in your life. Our songs are songs of joy. We sing joy to the world, and we leave this service on Christmas Eve night singing that every year, joy to the world, the Lord is come, and you can just, the candlelight is, is there, and after we've sang Silent Night, everybody just bursts forth into that song. Our children sing it. There are more songs about joy in Christianity than any other religion in the world. There are more songs about joy in Christianity than any other secular genre of music that there is. So when you think about Christianity, the songs that we sing are even about joy. Joy is a real emotion. I feel it this morning standing before you. I feel it this morning in the mix of grief as I think about my friend and my brother-in-law being in the presence of Christ. I grieve for my sister, my, my nieces and nephews. I grieve for their congregation and their church. But in the midst of that, as my sister and I have been praying together and talking this week, sometimes with long spans of silence, hearing her say, I trust God. I trust God. I find my joy and my strength in the Lord. You see, that emotion of joy and grief, that emotion of joy and sorrow, it can exist at the same time. Because happiness is depending upon what's happening around me. Happiness, that very word happiness, it has to do with the happenings in my life. I just went with my grandsons and my son to the happiest place on earth. It's called Disney World. And it was a happy, happy place watching them, laughing with them. I was extremely happy until I got the visa bill this week. I need to go back to Disney World and get another dip, okay? You see, it is a happy place, but it's what's happening around me. Joy is different than that. It's something that is internal. It springs up within you. It's something that is eternal, not just internal, but eternal. And joy is a choice. In the next few weeks, I'll be speaking on the subject of choose joy. I went to Amazon like I always do in christianbook.com when I'm thinking about titles, and I'll type in just to see what secular books, Christian books, everything about joy. And, and there are just so many books about joy. And I scanned the table of contents to kind of get an idea what the secular authors, what the psychologists, what this pastor, this evangelist, this ladies writer, this men's writer has written about joy. 
Then I came across a book written by Kay Warren. I go, oh, I've got to look at this book because Kay's son, Kay and Rick Warren's son, committed suicide a few years ago. I don't know if you remember, but we prayed for them in the sanctuary. We grieved with them. And she wrote this book after the suicide of their son, Matthew, who had struggled with a lot of problems. And when you're that high a profile individual that the presidents call you and the people, people know you all over the world. When I scanned the chapters, I thought, I have to buy this book. And so I bought her book and looking forward to reading it over Christmas break. Because people who've been through painful times, people who've been through loss and suffering, and have chosen joy, they have so much to teach us, especially when we want to equate joy with happiness, because happiness is what's happening around us. Happiness is temporary, joy is eternal. So when I say joy, and I talk about joy this morning, I'm talking to people who understand. I'm, I'm talking from a place where Becky and I have planted our feet solidly in our faith in God. A place that we have been tested and tried in through the years. And many of you in this room and many of you online, you have been tested and tried in this. I, I know you and I know what you've been through. We've spent almost a quarter of a century together doing life together. So I know those trials that you've been through. Joy is when you choose to trust God despite what's happening around you. It's a decision, but it's also a gift that God gives to us. And joy is not something you can manufacture. I can manufacture certain emotions to make myself feel better. I can say certain things to make myself feel better. But joy is, it's fruit. It's, it's something that the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit alone can produce in your life. I remember one time my dad taking me out and I was so excited. I was just a small guy and he was carrying me around because I knew that the pecans would be coming in in the fall and I knew the peaches from our peach orchard and plums and pears and all of these things would be coming in from our orchards and he was carrying me around and he said, son, there's, there's nothing here right now but you see this bud. This is going to be a peach. This is going to be a pear. This is going to be figs. Those are going to be pecans. And, we were, and I couldn't quite fathom it and I said, well, where is the fruit? And daddy would take the tree or the branch in his hand he says the fruit is inside there it's going to come out and friends this morning hear me when you cross the line and you give your heart to Jesus Christ the Holy Spirit lives inside your life and in the most extreme circumstances you will find the fruit of the Holy Spirit God himself will manifest joy in the worst circumstances that you can go through he will manifest that joy it's how somebody like Corey Ten Boom and her sister could rejoice in a Nazi prison, all because they chose to rescue Jewish people. It's why Paul and Silas could sing hymns in a prison and God move in a miraculous way because they chose to be joyful. Now, here's kind of what I've discovered over the years. 
I've told you that vision leaks, but did you know that joy also leaks? Some of you, you used to be very, very joyful. Some of you, I've walked with you through those times when I could not believe the amount of pain that you were going through, and you chose joy, and you chose faith. But sometimes along the way, you see it in people's lives and decisions, the joy begins to leak out of our lives. And there are these things that come along, and they drain us. They're not big things like the big crisis that you went through, but they're those small things in life that try to rob and steal and kill our joy. I went on to Facebook, and forgive me for lurking, but I decided to go through some of our church members' posts on Facebook. You read mine, so I have the right to read yours. And so I went on, and I could see some people joy had leaked out of their life, and I could see other people, they were choosing joy in the midst of what was happening. You see, there are things that will rob you and I of our joy. And one of those things is anxiety and fear and stress. And I think Mary shows us what to do during those times of fear and anxiety and stress. Those things that come along that are robbing us of our joy. And Mary chose to trust God. And what I'm asking you to do this morning is I'm asking you to trust in God. God is in control. The Word of God shall never fail. Can you say amen this morning? The Word of God will never fail. But when anxiety and fear and stress come into our lives, it seems like if we're not careful, joy can go out the back door of our life. Joy can go out the side door of our life because we begin to look at what causes us fear. We begin to look at what causes us stress. Let's think about Mary for just a moment. This is the breaking point of history. God comes to a teenage girl. Girls got married very young in those days. Most girls were getting married at 13, 14 years of age. I showed you pictures of girls that I've met <clears throat> in Asia where I was ministering at that were married at nine years old to some creepy old geezer, you know? Uh, you just, it was like, it's just horrible. But in those days, you didn't live much past 30, 35. You were lucky if you lived to 40 or 45. And so girls were married off young, and she was engaged to another young man by the name of Joseph. The angel comes and gives her this news, and I got to tell you, this didn't sound like good news at the time. You live in a small town, and those of you that grew up in a small town, you know what small town scandals are like. You live in a town where you come from a devout family, and teenage pregnancy is frowned upon. You're engaged. An engagement is a legal contract. You don't, you're not married. You're not living together. You're still in your parents' home, but it's a legal contract. You have to be divorced. And so how do you explain to your mother and your father? How do you explain to your fiancé, Joseph? How do you explain this pregnancy to them? God did this to me? This is a stressful time for Mary. This is a fearful time for Mary. I'm asking you this question for just a minute to think. If your daughter came home and told you she was pregnant, but she says she's never slept with a guy, and she says, God did this to me, would you believe her? 
Some of you are chuckling nervously. Some of you are smiling. Some of you are shaking your head. I sincerely, sincerely think that Mary's parents probably did the same thing. We know Joseph's parents did the same thing. And we know the small town scandal happened because there would be these slurs about Jesus even as he was preaching the gospel 30 years later. Sometimes people just won't let a scandal die. Isn't that right? They keep surfacing it and bringing it up because somehow or another they can diminish you. They feel like they're somehow or another increasing their size. And it never does work. Imagine later when you're close to birth. I know the Bible doesn't tell us she rode a donkey, but every Christmas card, and Christmas cards don't lie, every Christmas card shows Mary riding a donkey. <laughs> and she's riding to Bethlehem. Do you think that was stressful? <laughs> no saddle? It's a wonder her water didn't break on the right. And if you watched the, the Christmas special for The Chosen last year, and oh, it was powerful. You can still get it on YouTube. Watch that. They get to this dirty stable, and poor Joseph is trying to clean the place up and make it a place. I mean, this is a stressful event. There's no doctor. There's no midwife. There's no, what do you call that stuff they give a lady to keep her out of pain? I hear more men saying it than I do women. <laughs> That's probably because you're grateful too. <laughs> One of the young families in our church said, Pastor, would you be with us when our baby is born? And I said, I'll be there to a certain point. I said, I, I get really queasy really quickly. And so I'm sitting there beside her. I'm holding her hand, praying. She's, Pastor, pray for me. And all of a sudden, I thought she was going to break my hand. This voice that was not hers came from deep within. It caused the hair to stand up on the back of my head. And she went, I want my epidural now. That was my sign to leave. <laughs> I'm sorry. And the angel said, Fear not. Seven times in the story, the angel is going to say, fear not. I'm telling you, sometimes God puts you in circumstances where truly the joy of the Lord is your strength, and you have to choose to trust God. Don't be afraid, Mary. You see, Pastor, why have you taken so much time with this? Because I don't want you to minimize the trauma. I don't want you to minimize the stress. I don't want you to minimize the pain. I don't want you to minimize what Christmas really means to you and I because I don't want you to miss the story. If all you do is make it a cute little Christmas card or a cute crash on your front lawn, if that's all you do with Christmas, you miss the fact that Mary chose to trust God and she found her joy and the Lord, and you can trust him as well this morning. Can we give him a hand of praise this morning? You see, the antidote to fear is trusting God when I don't understand. And the second thing I would remember this morning is that I have found favor with God. You have found favor with God. Mary found favor with the Lord. This word favor is, 
is God's supernatural presence, His supernatural anointing, His supernatural blessings upon your life. It's what you don't deserve. It's what I don't deserve. I don't deserve the favor of God, but God chose to give me His favor. Now, I'm thinking, just for a moment, <clears throat> if Mary was my fiance, I would probably say, God, do me a favor and give your favor to somebody else. Because Joseph's life and Mary's life is going to be complicated by the call of God upon their life. Sometimes the call of God will complicate your life, and that's why you have to trust God. The angel told her, you have found favor with God. Now, don't miss that because this is a new season. Last week, we talked about a season is longer than a day. It's longer than a week. It's longer than a month. A season could be a couple of years. I mean, imagine if you live in certain parts of this planet You've got six months of darkness a year. You've got six months of light a year. How do you apply the Bible if during six months of light, the Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath? You're going to be angry for six months? No. So in this season of favor that is coming upon Mary and Joseph for their very brief lives, the eternal Son of God is going to be born that they might and you might, and I might, have eternal life, and that the power of sin might be broken, and that the power of sin within us will be broken, and that we will become what God has always intended. We would become His children living underneath and in His favor. Can you say amen today? It's interesting that Jesus began His ministry in Luke 4, 19, saying, the time of the Lord's favor has come. The time of the Lord's favor has come. In other words, the old has passed and the new has come. And that's why you and I are here this morning. Sometimes people will say to me when they're going through a difficult time, and their joy is under attack, I say, have you asked God any questions about this? Have you asked Him why you're going through this? Not have you sinned, but Why? People will say to me, but I've been taught not to question God. Mary did. And so the third thing I would say to you this morning, if your joy is being tested and you're going through a difficult time, ask God questions reverently. Will you say that word with me? Reverently. Say it again. Reverently. Ask God questions. Implore of Him. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. There's more here than just the question of how can this happen? How am I going to become pregnant? How am I going to bear a child that I'm a virgin? Her whole life is about to change. Last week after church, we ate lunch. And I looked at Becky and I said, I am so sick of this cold weather already. Becky just soundly corrected me. She says, sweetheart, it's not winter yet. Oh, jeez. And I thought about that all week. It's not winter yet. And she said, remember what you said about a season this morning? Don't you think it's time we plan a woodland south and we go way south and 
where it's sunny and warm. I heard one person clapping. We are in like mind and agreement this morning. So it's, I pondered that question this week. I said, Lord, did you ever intend for there to be winter? Did you ever intend for trees to go to sleep and grass go to sleep? Because, God, I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't like it very much. Anybody in here agree with me on that? You are going to heaven. The rest of you I'm worried about. <laughs> I asked God, I said, God, why this period of time? And it's like the Holy Spirit said, you're asking such a big question for such a little mind. That's what God told George Washington Carver. He said, your job is to choose joy in the darkness and in the cold and understand that everything glorifies me. It's okay to ask God questions. And if you'll go to his word, everything I'm telling you that will rob you of your joy, you can find it in the Bible. It's right there in the Bible. And the answer is what Mary said, I will trust God. So I've got a little question there. I'm going to stop for maybe 10 seconds. I'm going to just stop. And, and I know this is difficult. If those of you watching online, they, say, they tell us for online ministry, never stop. Just keep going. But for 10 seconds, I want you to write down, what are you afraid of? What are you worried about? What are you stressed about this Christmas? Just put that into your outline, or if you've got a piece of paper, I'm going to count to 10, and then I'm going to preach again. Say, so, Pastor, why only 10? Because whatever it was, it came right to the surface of your mind as soon as I said it. And I want you to identify it. I want you to write it down. And I want you to ask God questions about what you're struggling with. And if you have trouble finding what the Bible has to say, email us here at the church. Talk to your small group leader. Talk to your ministry group leader. Or email us right here. And we will help you with those questions. Because God wants you to choose joy. And then finally this morning, you've got to be willing to accept God's plan for your life. You've got to be willing to accept God's plan. You see, trusting God means I accept his plan for my life. And how often have you and I prayed where we've tried to impose our will upon God? Now, I came to know Christ during the midst of the charismatic revival that was beginning across America. And people were somehow or another thinking and for a while it, it just made sense to me that God was under legal contract and we could tell God what to do if we confessed it long enough if, if we denied that we were sick if we denied that you know we're coughing we're running a fever we're carrying germs and people in that charismatic revival that I was a part of at that time that swept much of America you know, it just was like, you know, I'm not sick, I'm not sick. And then we'd go around and infect other people at church, and they would go, I'm not sick, I'm not sick. And people wouldn't even want to blow their noses because it would be a lack of faith. It was pretty gross. You see, we don't impose our will upon God. Prayer helps us to accept what the will of God is for our lives. 
Now, let me be careful because I don't want to trash the charismatic movement because the charismatic movement awakened the church to the element of faith that said God has called us to be overcomers. We are not just pacifists that we let life run over us and say, oh, bless God. We look at what the Word of God says. We stand on the promises of God. We pray the promises of God, but we are willing to pray what Jesus prayed, the most powerful prayer in the world, Thy will be done. It's how Jesus taught us to pray. It's not a cop-out. It's not a lack of faith. And I am so glad that Mary was willing to say, the will of the Lord be done in my life. Because of that, we are here today. Look at verse 38 with me. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. For a teenager, look at me, for a teenager, that is a very mature response. Do you agree with me on that? That is an extremely mature response for a 13 or a 14-year-old girl. Don't raise your hands, but how many of your 13 and 14-year-old girls or 13 and 14-year-old sons have said just the opposite to you when you have said, this is what we're going to do? And how many of you have seen this? We're laughing because we did it to our parents. Our kids are doing it to us. Students, listen to me. What you reap, you're going to sow. <laughs> Love and honor your mom and dad. I've said that to God, though. God, I don't get it. Recently, a lady said to me, she says, I just don't understand. It doesn't make sense. Last week in the hospital, as I was praying over Gary, I said, God, I don't understand this. He's at the peak. He's, God, he's doing so much. He's so fruitful. We, these grandchildren are so young. But my sister and I, as we prayed together, we agreed we're going to trust God. Now look at me. When you trust God, you will find your joy in God. In verse 47, Mary says, my spirit finds its joy in God. Well, I'm writing this week, the song came on, my shuffle that I use when I'm writing, the instrumental for my Savior, my God, that we sing here at Woodland. And those words started flowing through my mind about trusting God. And I wrote this down really, really quick. And this is what I'll close with on our growth work this morning. First of all, if you want to apply this to your life, choose to listen to the good news. The angel said, I'm bringing you good news. And what sounds good to God may not sound good to you at the moment, but if you will listen to the good news your life will change, and you will find joy in the midst of your circumstances. And you won't need another dip or another dose of Disney World to find your happiness. You will find your joy in God. Luke chapter 2 and verse 10. The angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you great news or good news that will bring great joy to all people. This time of the year, you find the word joy everywhere, don't you? 
You see it on billboards. You see it on ads. You come to my house and you'll see Becky's got up in our front yard the great big red letters, joy. Christmas cards come with joy on it because this confusing time for Mary, this traumatic time for Mary, it has brought great joy to every nation, every tribe, and every tongue on this planet. Can we give him a hand of praise for that? Choose to listen. It's why Paul said in Romans 1 and verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It is God's powerful method of bringing all who believe it to heaven. And if you will invite your lost friends with you to church for Christmas Eve service, for Christmas morning service, if you'll invite your lost friends with you during this series of Choosing Joy, because next week we're going to talk about bitterness and how bitterness can rob you of joy and what happens in our lives to make us bitter. The Christmas story gives us the key to conquering bitterness and finding joy and resentment. This is a promise from God's Word, though. When your friends hear the good news, their hearts will be pricked. Their hearts will be convicted. The Holy Spirit will help them. Angels surround this place. We can't see them. The Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. And if you and I can cooperate together with the Lord in His Word, we'll see the toughest of people like shepherds and like seers or wise men from Persia as they make their journey to find Jesus Christ. Isn't that good news this morning for your family and friends? Secondly, choose to obey God. I think, and I could be wrong, you can disagree with me if you'd like, I'm not even sure that I could prove this, but I think Mary could have said, no way, God. I think Joseph could have said, no way, God. You see, although God is sovereign, God gives you and I choices to make in life. This morning, I'm asking you to choose joy. I'm asking you to find your joy in obeying God. Obedience is the key to prosperity. Obedience is the key to success. Obedience is the key to joy. Obedience is the key to healing. Obedience is the key to recovery. Obedience is the key to eternal life. Because when you obey, you hear the Word of God, and you obey the Word of God to come unto Jesus, you are born again, and suddenly that supernatural power of God goes to work at your life. Luke chapter 2 and verse 15. Let's get over to Bethlehem as fast as we can and see for ourselves what God has revealed to us. And God is revealing to you through the preaching of the Word how to have joy. Psalms 19 and verse 8. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. Don't raise your hand, but ask yourself right now. Look at me. Look at, at home. Look at me. Are you experiencing joy right now in your heart? Be honest with yourself. Be honest with God. Are you experiencing joy? And then finally, choose to tell someone about the joy of Christmas. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 17, they told everyone they met, what the angels have said about this child. This week I met people 
They'd say, Happy Holidays. Few people would say, Merry Christmas. And I would say, You know why they're happy? Because Christ was born. People, you don't have to be religious about just, they say, I say, Oh, it is. I, you know, I'm not going to fight if they say happy. I'll just, why is it happy? Christ was born. And I pray God will bless you and give you a Merry Christmas. There's been so many kind thank yous. Some people have said, will you pray with me about this? People I don't even know. Choose to sell someone the good news. When Becky and I go to a restaurant, <clears throat> and we've got one restaurant we never tell anybody about. You want to know why? Because if I want to kiss her in that restaurant, I just want to kiss her, and I don't want you around when I kiss her in that restaurant. I just, that's our secret place we go to. And so far, it's worked for almost a quarter of a century. But when we go to a good restaurant and we find a good restaurant, we love to share it with friends. Just recently, we took some friends of ours to one of our favorite restaurants, Italian food. Oh, my goodness, do they do Italian food right? They couldn't. They were taking pictures. They were sharing this good news about this restaurant. They sent pictures on their Facebook page and LinkedIn of the four of us having there. And the other day, a friend of ours called us from north of the city, Bill in Maryland. They says, hey, we want to go to such and such restaurants. And you guys want to go with us? And I go, yeah, let's go. Because you want to share that experience with somebody. Am I right? You want to share that dining experience. You want to share the food that you said. It makes it even better. That's what church is like. That's what Christian community is like. When you share what God is doing, when you share the word of the Lord, it becomes even happier and more joyful. You say, well, why don't you share about your restaurant? Because I don't make it a habit of going around kissing Becky inside the sanctuary. I do once in a while. But here, I share with you, we share with Christ, we share with God. And I know, I know, if I ever stop talking about Becky, if I ever stop talking about my kids, if I ever stop talking about Woodland Church, then I know something's wrong. And when you and I are no longer talking about Jesus, we've lost our joy. And so I'm asking you this week, choose joy in the midst of your greatest pain and sorrow. And everybody said, amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the joy that is ours in Christ. Mm. Would you just, just lift your hands and just worship him this morning and just thank him. If you're uncomfortable doing that, that's okay, but just lift your hands. The Bible says, let's lift up holy hands in his presence. Let's thank him for the joy of the Lord. That's your strength. Let's thank him for the joy of the good news that Christ has come, not only to save us from our sins, but to give us a new life, a, an overcoming life, eternal life. Let's thank him for the joy that comes from reading his word and applying his word to our lives. <laughs>
Oh, let's thank Him that joy is something the Holy Spirit will produce in us as we walk with Him and in Him. Hallelujah. And if you've got a question right now, just ask the Lord. Say, Father, I'm struggling with this pain in my heart. I'm struggling with this grief. Why did you allow this to happen? God, why this season in my life? Ask it reverently. And I promise you, there is an answer for you in the word of the Lord. And then finally say to the Lord, I choose to trust you. I choose to trust you. Say what Mary said in Luke 147, I will find my joy in God. Would you say that with me this morning? I will find my joy in God. One more time. I will find my joy in God. I'm going to ask that every head would be bowed and every eye closed. If you've never surrendered your heart to Christ, or maybe once you walk close to the Lord and you've wandered from that faith commitment to Christ, Maybe your joy has just leaked out completely. I'm asking you this morning, would you cross that line of faith by saying, Jesus, I trust you. I believe that what you did for me at Calvary will not only wash away my sins, but that the joy of the Lord will become my strength. So I'm going to ask you those in this building and those online, would you pray this prayer with me? You don't have to pray the exact words, but you can if you want. But just say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your best when you sent your only begotten Son to live for me, to die for me, and to be raised again for me. I don't understand it all yet, but as much as I know how, I put my faith and I put my trust in you. Forgive me of my sins, I pray. In Christ's name, amen, amen, and amen. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise for those who have prayed with us this week. Hallelujah. Well, may the Lord bless you with an overflowing abundance of joy. May you feel rising up with you and you the springtime sap of life, the Holy Spirit himself. And may there be so much fruit in your life that others will pick it and enjoy it and find Christ as their Lord and Savior. God bless you. You're dismissed this morning.